Welcome to Out With Dan, the podcast that spotlights and examines the voices of LGBTQ authors, characters, and our allies. Together, we lift our voices and we tell our stories. I'm Dan White. Join me as I chat with this week's author. And I'm so excited to have Beatrice Hitchman here with me today. Her book is called All of You, Every Single One. And welcome, B. Thank you so much. It's lovely to be with you. Oh, it's wonderful. This book is so amazing. I just dived into it or delved into it and just enjoyed it so very much. Was there was there an impetus for writing something that takes place in so many years? Oh, gosh. Yeah, there was. That's a really um, interesting, interesting place to start thinking about the book. Actually, it's a really good question. I think I suppose I was aware that we you know, a lot of novels around queer experiences, LGBTQ plus experience is is about coming out, you know, uh, coming of age, coming about, uh, coming out. And I suppose I really felt that there weren't that many novels that look at a relationship across the lifespan of the relationship, you know, that take it from the meeting right the way through to don't want to spoil the ending. But, you know, um, there, there aren't that many novels that really take that domestic experience that seriously so I, I felt that I wanted to do that really um it was kind of important to me I totally agree I find I love coming out stories I love uh romance I love comedy this is a total romance yet it's set in some unique times it takes place between I believe 1910 and 1946 and I read that on the dust cover and was completely surprised as I'm reading along, even though I knew it would take place over years, some of the things that go on, I did not realize would go on, even though I know history. But it was, I thought you, it was so artfully woven in there. Hmm. So, and I love the fact that you have nearly every kind of character, whether they're straight, gay, bisexual, the entire thing. It's a great book of inclusion. Was that intentional? Oh, thank you. You know, it, it wasn't, but I think we live, I suppose I feel that I'm privileged to live in, in communities which do intersect with each other in these ways. And so in a sense, it just reflects my social group, <laughs> the people. And I do think there is a sense of outsider groups sticking together and minority groups kind of coalescing. And for the context, so um, the book being set in Vienna, and as you rightly said, from about 1910, um, the places that these people might well have lived, Leopoldstadt in, in Vienna, was the, the Jewish quarter. And as a result, it was also a place where very many people who also felt that they weren't welcomed would go and live. So in a sense, the, the architecture and the built environment dictated who was going to be just around the corner. And it was just a pleasure to have those characters come through and discover them uh, and their voices. Mm. And I love that as a reader, because what I saw was I saw all different kinds of people coming together and having to struggle. And I think that's a reflective of life. You know, we we meet our own tribe and our tribe doesn't necessarily have to be queer. They can just be a tribe that we relate to and get along with. Mm -hmm. And that is I mean, that was really, really heartwarming, heartwarming. Ooh heartwarming. <laughs> oh, you're so moved there, Dan, you can't speak. Yes, um, thank you. Yeah, and I think I really did want to write this tribute to friendship and platonic relationships, not necessarily romance. So um, 
someone said something to me the other day, which I was really moved by, which was um, this idea that it's a, a romance of friendship. It's not really about the lifelong romance. I mean, it's also romantic, but it's it's a kind of hymn to the supportive communities that we all need. And perhaps, you know, having seen the news today, that's never been more relevant. And certainly while I was writing the book, you know, in the time of Trump's America and Brexit Britain, there was this sense of, you know, needing to set individuality aside and do something more collective um, and look after each other in a way that we haven't before. I agree. And, and we become empowered when we do that. It's so easy to say they and them, but when it becomes us, it becomes a very different power. And it had, well, I think it has to be us if we're going to move forward in life in a, in a positive way. Mm. I loved Frau Berndt. She was a collector. I mean, just absolutely adored her. She just she was everyone's grandmother or mother or what you hoped you would have for one of those one of those figures in your life. Mm, thank you so much. She obviously has a huge debt. I have a huge debt there to Anna Madrigal. So a big touch point was the Tales of the City. The saga, really, I love the way that Maupin revisits those same people over time. So that was a huge, huge point of inspiration. And yeah, without wanting to, I think um, Anna Madrigal came through quite strongly as this landlady so a bit of creative Lovely. homage let's say it's homage <laughs> <laughs> oh and I love Maupin's books and I this one fits right along in there I mean it's it really is a family story mm. uh, through and through and unlike the person you were talking to I actually find it's a it's an enormous love story Julia and Eve are together through thick and thin and their lives have a lot of different turns and twists. Mm. And the fact that they stayed together so solidly. And I mean, mm. it, there were issues. There's issues in everyone's life. But I really mm. thought that was so beautiful in the fact that they, they were survivors together. Mm. Thank you very much. Yes, I think I did want to put the emphasis on what happens after the elopement, as we've seen. So my first book was all about this passionate new romance and new relationship energy. And by sheer coincidence, I, I myself got married <laughs> shortly oh, before starting this. Thank you very much. Delightful. But as with many relationships, there's a period of knocking the spots off each other. I don't mean physically, of course, but, you know, there's a sense of acclimatizing and collaborating and building together. Um, and that work is very, very different to the work of being in love. You know, being in love is the easy part. It's whether you can deal with the in-laws and deal with buying <laughs> the right cutlery and all of that stuff is really interesting. Precisely. And we don't really write about that. Mm. <laughs> a trip to the grocery store can be either a blissful <laughs> or <a> traumatic moment. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you get those bananas? Why not that broccoli? Precisely. <laughs> Precisely. I love that. <laughs> I also love the fact that you created characters who were feminine and masculine, mm -hmm. butch and flamboyant. Those are characters that we see in our everyday life and to have them written about so lovingly, not making fun of, but celebrating. Mm, thank you. Yes, it was really important to me to have some butch representation in the book. We don't really see that at all. Nope. You know, I can think of Orange is the New Black and then 
in terms of mainstream viewing, I can't really think of, of much else. Although there was an interesting question hovering in my mind about how the character of Eve would perceive herself. You know, there is a big question about whether she's a masculine presenting lesbian or whether there now she might be going to transition. You know, there's a question mark there. But yes. of course, writing in 1910, um, that character would not have had a sense perhaps of what to transition might mean. So the, the ways of understanding themselves for the characters had to be appropriate to the time, which was a really interesting thing to kind of get your head around um, that time travel aspect. Mm. We, we see in, we see with Marlena Dietrich, she wore a lot of suits in her career and in a lot of ways was very masculine appearing, you know, in the suit and all, and yet she was very feminine and you've taken Eve and you've given her similar characteristics in the fact that she's maybe masculine presenting, yet at the same time, she's still a woman. And so mm. that was lovely. Mm. Mm. Was sex hard to write about for both the boys and the girls? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, you know, um, there's always that sense of, gosh, my parents are going to read this. <laughs> so that's always a joy. But, you know, at least it wasn't as bad as with the first book. So I was really lucky. The first book was serialized on, on Radio 4, the BBC in the UK, which was lovely. lovely. Fantastic. Yeah, it was great. But um, my parents-in-law came to stay uh, and they insisted on listening to the episode. They were very supportive um, that was airing that week. And my wife and I had counted and we knew that that was when the really steamy sex scene was gonna <laughs> land. And we were going to, to North Wales to uh, a holiday cottage with them. And we hoped that by driving, they would forget about it. They said, oh, no, put the radio on, B. Put the oh radio my. on. It's time for your show. And so we kind of went pale and put it on. And they listened to this fairly graphic reconstruction in complete silence. And then afterwards, they were so brilliant. They were so brave. They just sort of both said, oh, well, John, I thought they did that very well, didn't you? <laughs> we nice. sort of boiled sweet, anyone? Some coffee? <laughs> um Bless them. Oh. So yeah, but honestly, the scenes for this book were, I mean, the, the female sex scenes, not so challenging, um, but I did have to call in my expert friends about the the gay male sex scenes, just right. because you just try, you don't want to get anything so horrendously wrong that it's insulting or, you know, I mean, one has an idea, it doesn't one of the mechanics, but it's, <laughs> you know, I was really aiming for that kind of zing of realism and, and who knows, um, I know there are some things that perhaps weren't quite you know, maybe weren't quite right, but yeah. So there was uh, so some interesting was... conversations with friends. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, you know, I have to ask at least one little question like of that. Of course, so, yes. I, one nice thing about it was I thought it was so tastefully done. It oh, is, great. There are, I I don't embarrass easily or blush easily. I blush if I need to, but typically <laughs> I've, I've seen and heard most everything. But when you find <laughs> someone who writes it, I want to say delicately because mm. I I want it to it, sex is there, but yet at the same time it's not the be end all. It is mm. part of the story, and I thought that was 
really well done. So congratulations on that. And I thought I thought you did pretty good with the boys. So oh, great. Well, that's that's lovely to hear. Thank you. I mean, I think something my old writing mentor said once, which was really useful, was that sex is always about communication, and it has to also be about the plot. Sorry, you can tell I've just come out of a teaching session. But it's it's um educators, you know, go ahead. Oh, <laughs> um, there has to be something it has to do something for the plot of the book and for the characterization or it has to be about communication or something so yeah I like to think it's never gratuitous although that's fine too but you know it's it's got to do something in the book so I think I think books are so different than say movies in the fact that we we are accustomed in today's world to seeing gratuitous sex in movies sometimes it adds to it sometimes it's just for the beauty of it but I think when it comes to a book we have we're reading, we're there with these characters. So we're in the same room that they're in because we're reading it and we're invested in it. So it's always nice when it's when it's done in a way that treats it with gentleness and directness and there is communication and a reason for it. So mm. I totally, you actually listened to your professor. You did a great job there. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Well, I, I learned from the best. What can I say? <laughs> I love that. So did you have a character that is your favorite? That's very tricky. Um, I know they're all your children. They are, all of them, every single one. Um, <laughs> I have a real soft spot for Ada, who is the uh, sort of um, troubled teenager, I suppose, who um, is instrumental in the kind of centerpiece can't say too much set piece of the book I suppose and she is um based on a real case study from Freud oh. yeah there's oh, a very famous really. case study uh called Dora um fragments of a case book in hysteria I've got that wrong now but um yeah a real character who went to see uh Sigmund Freud for selective mutism and a cough and the situation is pretty much as it was in the book almost oh, wow. exactly so it's drawn from life and she was not very easy to write, probably because I knew she had a real world counterpart. And so that's always somewhat stifling. Um, but she's just such a spiky, in some ways, very unlovable character. And they're always the best. You know, the ones that are really a bit, you just think, oh, you're never going to get it. You know, <laughs> And because she was a challenge to write, I think when it did finally start flowing, I just really wanted to just go on writing her. But sadly, one cannot all the way through. I will tell you that she was my favorite character. Oh, really? Oh, that's yes. lovely. And <gasps> it's, I, I loved all the characters. I've already told you I'm, you know, uh, definitely a fan. Mm -hmm. But Ada's character and Ada's voice was so important. And I wanted to know so much more because I, I felt like she was left behind in her family dynamic. And I don't want to say too much, but she was she was left behind. And so sadly, so many people can be left behind in life. And so her story became something that I was so I was so excited about. And I kept and I love the fact. So I'm going to have to sort of change gears a little bit. So <laughs> you write most of the chapters are written from one character's voice. Does that have a style name? I mean, I think we, oh, it's probably rotating third person, isn't it? So we jump between different heads, but we try to do that chapter by chapter rather than within scenes. Is, is that 
what you, yes, you yes, it was. Yeah. Well, it was. So it, when it was Ada's voice, it was coming around. I was always mm -hmm. very excited. I enjoyed everyone's voice, but I really enjoyed hers. So now, did you have a character that you kept thinking, I'll just take my eraser and get rid of? <gasps> well, I think, yeah, I mean, I just found Emil so hard to write because <laughs> he's... Um, well, let's say he's probably the most unpalatable of the characters, and it just, and also the, um, oh my god, I've forgotten my own character's name. Ah, oh, the Nazi kid. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. And yes. um, uh, oh, is it Anders? Oh no, anyway, not the guy, the son of the family. Anyway, so yes. um, oh yeah, yes, he he was just a bit basic, you know. He's just a kind of <laughs> standard Nazi youth. And, yes. and just I found him so kind of unpleasant really in the sense that I mean he isn't you know the character isn't unpleasant but just I just found it very hard to get into their mindset so that was a challenge yeah yes. I will I, because you brought it up it does obviously when it goes to 1946 Nazism comes into it uh, I thought it was it was very welcomed for this reader I know quite a bit about World War II I also know quite a bit of what happened with Jewish people, people on the fringe, gay people. I, it was nice to have that in a book that I still consider a romance. So mm. it was it was something very different, but it also was a bit of glue. I found that it sticks. The story has it, the Nazism and World War II gives the book even more glue to stick all the characters together. Well mm. done. Thank you very much. It was a really, interesting decision initially I was going to leave them all happily living their life in the 1930s and then Brexit happened so um I don't know I suddenly felt the urge to write something about the rise of <laughs> far-right <laughs> politics you know and there was something there about wanting to see well what would happen what happened to them next you know I just couldn't quite let go mm. I love it I love it I did find that I thought the saddest thing without giving anything away was Barbara's reaction uh, to Elsa's boyfriend's dad. And yeah. she just, I mean, it, it was something I had heard echoed many times from, from Jewish people who were caught off guard, blindsided, thought the world would never be as bad as it became. And her, her comment was just so, it just touched me. It really did. So mm, I'm, thank you. So will these characters go somewhere else? Or will there be a sequel? Oh my gosh, I, I know wonder. We, I know we, <laughs> I, we aged them. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes, gosh. Well, that is a thought, isn't it? Honestly, it hadn't occurred to me. Um, I'll send you oh. some notes on the side, some things Please I'd like do. to see. <laughs> tell me what you would think. Tell me what you would like to do. And I would love to do, I'd love to do something Tales of the City-esque. You know, I think that would be really important. I don't know if it's these characters. Yeah, but it's... then I've set them up now, so oh, I don't know. Food for thought, Dan. What can See? I say? I love it. I love it. So I have I have a couple of little silly questions for you now. Fantastic. So, coffee or tea? Oh, tea. Very British, darling. No, I British. assume so. And I'm a coffee fanatic. I'm so, oh, okay. coffee cups there somewhere. Got my sad <laughs> institutional tea. There we go. Um, black or tan? Oh, I don't know. What? 
oh, what's that in relation to? Uh, they're both <laughs> that, they're like brogues. Oh, I'm going to say that that's a question about brogues, in which case probably tan brogues. And I think that's something that Eve would Eve would go for. Yeah. Approved, approved. And favorite, <laughs> favorite ice cream? <gasps> Ooh, um, strawberry. <laughs> lovely, lovely. I approve of all of those. Not that I get oh. to approve, but I would approve of all of those. You do get That's to approve. <laughs> so, B, is there anything about this book that you want to share that is something extraordinary for you? I don't think so. I think I'm just very proud of the way that it represents different kinds of family. And that's really, um, I think, what I wanted to do all along. One never knows when one goes into a book what it's going to be about. But this is something that I think has worked out. So, yeah. Wonderful. Would you like to share your social media? Yeah, sure. You can find me at, oh, my gosh, uh, <laughs> on Twitter <laughs> as Hitchman B. Hitchman B-E-A. Uh, and I'm on Instagram, I think, as just Beatrice Hitchman. Yes, and you have I'm going to say that's it. That's okay. And you have a website <laughs> as well. I do, yes. So that's www.beatricehitchman.com. Fantastic. Once I post this uh, interview, I will also include your social media so people will be able to find you. I highly, highly recommend this book. All of you, every single one, I'm so terrible at trying to figure out where the camera is. <laughs> but I got it in there. I'll also, post, I'll also post a picture of the book online as well. I am just so excited for this book. I hope you the very best of success because it really needs to be out there. Thank you so much. That's really, really, really kind. And yeah, what a pleasure to talk to you today. Lovely question. Thank questions. you. Thank you. I had a great time and I look forward to the next book. I want this one to run as long as it should, but I'm already looking forward to the next one. Thank you. Gosh, yeah. Well, I'll see you in, in another five years, I guess, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully sooner than that. So <laughs> yeah. thank you very much. No problem. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for joining me for this week's episode of Out With Dan. You can find more information about this podcast and its host at outwithdan.com, on Twitter at outwithdan, and on Instagram and Facebook at gooutwithdan. This podcast is hosted by Authors on the Air Global Radio Network, and the theme music is provided by bensound.com. Join us again soon for the next episode of Out With Dan.